Hi, I'm Jackie, and welcome to episode two of this podcast, Unschooling, Learning Without Rules. Unschooling means parents allowing their children as much freedom to explore the world as they comfortably bear. I'm a retired homeschooling mum of four, and I followed the unschooling approach with my children, who are all now in professional careers with degrees. I felt compelled to start this podcast because homeschooling is very much in the news, often negatively, and I wanted to share my insights on how it can be a joyful, empowering experience for the whole family. This week, I talked to Jan and Eloise, a mother and her now adult daughter, about their years of following this approach in their family, and how Eloise is using this philosophy in the parenting of her seven-year-old daughter, Odessa. Right, well, I'm delighted to meet my old friends from the past, Jan and her daughter, Eloise, who's now adult, and we um, unschooled together back in Sussex. Gosh, how many years ago? 25 years? A bit longer, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've talked about my key families before, and Jan's family was one of our key families because I was always looking for a family where I got on with the mum and dad and all the kids got on with their kids, and, and we found it in this family, which was just wonderful. So um, welcome to the podcast, and um, perhaps I could ask Jan how it all started for you, this unschooling thing. Um, it started with my eldest son being really upset about going to school. And how and my, old was he then? He was um, six and a half. Oh, bless him. And uh, he used to get very upset every morning. And then my next daughter, down, who was five, started getting upset as well. And I hadn't, I didn't know about um, home education at the time. Mm. And I had a chance meeting with somebody in the park who told me about it. And I just thought, okay, we'll give this a go. And did you research it or? Yes, yes. I, um, it was pre-internet days. Yes. It, it <laughs> so was sort of uh, mid-90s, wasn't it? Late it 90s? Was, um, yeah, yeah, mid-90s. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I, I joined Education Otherwise got their newsletter um which was a lifeline in those days yeah i should just point out education otherwise i'm not sure if it's still running under that name i don't it know it stands for education otherwise because in the education law children had to go to school unless there was a form of education otherwise or the clause was taken from the law yeah. and that became the name of the national organization didn't it yeah and we called it eo yeah, yeah. and the subsequent the subsequent organizations that have evolved from that but um I'm not sure if that's still going or not now. Mm, I don't hear about But it. I also rang up the local authority and had a chat with them. Mm. And, and they were quite helpful, actually, funnily yes. enough. And um, said, yes, I could do it, no problem. And uh, as the kids wore small, I thought, I've got nothing to lose, even yeah. if we just do it for six months. Yeah. And I just thought I'd keep reviewing it. And, Very brave. Uh, yeah, and, and then so I started getting getting books. Mm-hmm. and reading about a lot of John Holt books. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, right. Yeah, I was talking about John Holt in the, in the last um, episode. So um, when you discovered, like, the term unschooling, were you immediately interested, or was it more a sort of organic thing for you? It, was an, or, it was an organic thing. It was yeah. organic, really, uh, in that um, I thought at first I should do summer school at home. Yes, and I started doing doing that, yeah. and then um, I met other families that unschooled, mm. Mm. and then I I read um, Summerhill, of course, 
and I'd completely forgotten about Summerhill. Yeah, mentioned that, and, and offshoots of Summerhill. Other people that had been there had written books as well. So yeah. I read about them, um, and I think with time I began to trust my instincts and my children's instincts. Yeah, brilliant. All right, I remember the first day I met you. And I think you'd preceded us by about maybe six months. I'm not sure uh, because Sam was seven. So Elliot came out at six and a half. Yeah, so yes. About six months difference. And um, one of the very first questions you asked me about if I was structured or unstructured was <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Because <laughs> um, that was exactly what was going on in my mind because I was with all these unschoolers. As you know, our, some of our group were, were quite radical unschoolers. Mm. And I was very confused about the structure business. And um, exactly like you, we sort of started out, you know, how about this reading scheme and how about these worksheets and these handwriting sheets and things. But it, it really didn't take very long. And there's nothing like, is there, meeting other families who, who are much looser and more relaxed for immediately making you think, oh, this is fine. We don't need to stress out. Yes. But I, I did used to get every every September... I used yes. to get a little collie wobble and go out and buy a lot of workbooks. <laughs> That's exactly what I talked about. That's what I talked about in the last interview, always September. But the other thing that impressed me so much was you said about um, your son, about how he had a real thing about maths, and the best thing you could do was nothing. And that just blew mm. me away. I thought, wow, what a concept, doing doing nothing, and you're, you're homeschooling your kid, and you, you, you're saying the best thing you can do is nothing. I thought that was phenomenal. Oh. oh well, oh, man. <laughs> I had to realise I, I was so phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So just to just to pick up on that one example of him hating maths, how did his relationship with maths numbers play out? Because he's what he's thirty. He's thirty now. Thirty three. Thirty three. Thirty three to nearly thirty four. Yeah. So did he eventually take any maths exams when he was fifteen? He took no maths, no exams six, whatsoever. Six, he didn't oh. do any exams. Didn't go to college. Mm. Didn't do anything like that. He did. He did a couple of adult education um, classes. Yeah. In um, web design, right? Things like that. Um, and he's very involved in games design at the moment. Is he? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So he's, he's, he's had great opportunities from that, hasn't he? Yeah. He's gone to mm. Vietnam. He's gone to Florida. Did he go? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Um, mm. In America to go on doing that. So, and I can't figure out. How to do it? <laughs> yeah, oh, that sounds very technical. That's yeah, brilliant. totally self-taught. Sorry, I've, I've been focused on Jan. I, I should move to Eloise, really. Um, so you knew nothing except home education, did did you? you did, no, you I never went to you... nursery, yeah. preschool, anything like that. Yeah. The first education I ever went into was college when I was sixteen. Yeah, and was that what we then called further education college? I don't know. They still call it that. I did a BTEC national diploma at right. college. Yeah, at the time. And was that arts or was that a general? That was in subject? performing arts, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. yeah. I love, I loved that. I, I was uh, really nervous about going because I thought I had an idea in my head that these other people would have been in school their whole life yeah. and would have been doing all this stuff, and I, I wasn't going to be at their level. Yeah. I think I did a, an English and maths um, little exam to get in, and then um, yeah, I was at the same level as everybody yeah. else, and it was totally fine. Yeah. And were there any other home edders on that course or were you the only one? I was the only one in that year. I think two years below me in my final year, there was another home education person mm. that had come in. But that college yeah. was quite well known for accepting home educated children. Oh, lovely. Um, so they already had quite a good understanding. Mm. 
Great. So looking back over your life, um, your young years and middle years as a as a non-schooler, as a homeschooler, uh, do you have any thoughts about it? Was it was it mainly positive? Would you say? Definitely. Yeah, I look yeah. back on my childhood with so much fondness and admiration for my mum, especially now that I'm a mum. Um, and also I have an understanding now how radical it was to do that at that time. Yeah. You know, it was sort of against the grain and you Mm. did have to have quite a lot of guts to go against it at that time. But there wasn't the internet. There wasn't sort of, you couldn't connect with people all over the world doing what you were doing. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I do get the feeling that it's still a bit like that, that especially the unschooling side of it is still quite unusual and would take quite a bit of courage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, how did it sort of play out for you? Did you did you play all day? Did you um, play with your friends? <laughs> Were you aware of like projects or? Yeah, I mean, when I look back on it, I can't really believe the stuff that we did do when we did everything. Like we went to, I was talking the other day about, the fact that mum took five children on the London Underground to go to museums or to the Royal Opera House or to the Globe or all these yeah. things. And she just have like yeah. a bag of sandwiches with five <laughs> kids. And I, I've got one kid and the London Underground is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't yeah, believe, no. you know, we went to every castle up and down. We used to go go-karting, didn't we, at Stockwell? Go-karting. <laughs> I've done more forest school training than I think anyone <laughs> yeah. in the world. I know how to make cord out of nettle. <laughs> and you've been to lots of camps as well, haven't you? And yeah, we camped like every that. year. We at least yeah. we went to Kent Camp and Hesfest every year. Um, sometimes we did other things that were happening as well. But going to um, talk about going on the London Underground with all the kids. What I used to do with my boys at that time is we were in Horsham, quite near Gatwick uh, Airport, and we just used to get on the train, go to Gatwick Airport, and just walk around and look, look at all the, the buzz and the planes, and yeah. then mm. come back again. And that was our day out. <laughs> yeah, we did. Deal. We did so much stuff like that. We would. We were always moving. You know, you were saying beforehand that we were very rarely at home. You know, people have said to me, oh, you must be totally sorted in this lockdown because you were home educated. And it was like, no, (laughs) you know, this is the complete opposite. What's happening now is the complete opposite to my experience Mm. of home education. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember um, Jan and her family had this huge rambling house that Mm -hmm. that was just the perfect place to have all the families come. And uh, one thing that was making me laugh today when I was looking back at our past together is um, we... I think you and I were, were the inspirational. I like to think we were for the EO club on the Tuesday that we all went to. And this got stronger and stronger because one of us had a little sort of um, building in, in her garden, which she thought she was going to rent out for a nursery school. But she started home educating and we put it to her that she might like to use this building as a centre once a week to have all the families come so we had quite a big group at that point and we, we communicated by a newsletter. Um, and so do you remember we used to have themes? Yes. <laughs> and I remember you running a sort of sports thing and I would I ran a sort of puppet thing and we were all so excited, but the kids would just go off and do their own yeah. thing. And as adults <laughs> would be left looking at each other. And we finally got wise to it. And then someone said, Well, how about we all we all do it because we all want to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not worry about the kids doing it. Yeah. And that that was a great lesson, probably not just for me, that you know, the idea of a I think we should all do a play this week, you know, let's all come together and do a play. And then of course the kids have got a completely different idea. They just wanted to go to the trees. Yeah, they just want to hang out together. 
Yeah. Like, like the they, adults when, do, really. Yeah. yeah. And when they did want to do something, it was mm. so much more creative mm. and different. Yeah. If, one year we did do a play. We did a, an abridged Shakespeare play at Kent Camp, didn't we? Oh, yes. Yeah. And the person that took it was very good at doing it. And she had a whole script, <laughs> but it ruined the whole camp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was late. Was I Lady Macbeth? Lady Macbeth. Yeah. I was Lady Macbeth. Yeah, oh, it was wonderful. really stressful. Yeah. It was. It was just so stressful. We did. Def- I mean, yeah. it was fantastic in the end. We had the scene rebuilt and we had the whole play, but oh. the kids were corralled into just yeah. doing this play the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to get it right. We went to this um, unschooling school. Really, it was. It was a kind. Well, it was had to be called a school to get around the law in America. And it was called Upper Tina's because they started with, with three families and Tina was one of them and they used to go up up at Tina's house. So <laughs> Upper Tina's became the name of the school. It's still running, I believe. And they were really unschooling. They were sort of a summer hill, but it was a day day school. Um, and we loved it because if you enroll there, then you don't ha- have to um, comply with the law in America, which is still reaching each grade. Or It's very different to England, but this let us off the hook because they're philosophy was unschooling which was down to us but they would sort of um you know be responsible for us as it were really but they would try things like drama and I remember the drama teacher getting furious because she could never rely on the same children coming back the next <laughs> week and any, anything being followed through yeah so it's, it's yeah. not always easy when you're trying to organize people I remember we used to do an art class and at one point we would we were painting lampshades or something we were doing that and then we got told off because halfway through the class most of us had gone out and were climbing the trees in the car park yeah yeah <laughs> well that was at charleston manor that was at it? charleston manor <laughs> yeah. yeah so did you did you ever do an actual course earlier on that you did follow through something that you enjoyed doing that you kept going back every week and doing we did um, paid, towards paid the end yeah to the older I got, we did like sports on a Wednesday. We did art on a Monday, but it was still quite loose. It was, it still mm. wasn't what we, I couldn't call the Wednesday sport like PE. You know, it was, yeah. it, it was a, a dad who ran it mm. and it was loads more fun. It was mixed age groups. It was, you yeah. know, it was always, I always remember just find I'm not into sports, but I always had a really great time and we did things mm. like basketball. Uh, football we did tennis and you know all sorts of different stuff and the art lessons were we had an amazing art teacher called Mm -hmm. Jim who wasn't anything like a school art teacher he did some amazing stuff with us we were learning how to spray paint and uh, we made totem poles and you know we were doing some really cool stuff Mm, and I look back you know I look back on my art folder from I don't know how old I was when we started. You must have been at 14, I would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, maybe. I think it was a bit earlier than that. Oh. But I've got an amazing art folder. We did things out of wire and, you know, mm. it wasn't just sort of stereotypical sit down and, you know, learn how yeah. to draw. Yeah. It was always still pretty home ed ethos. Yeah. Mm. That's fantastic. So many of the unschooling things like that are so creative. Yeah. I think mm. it's absolutely brilliant. So you obviously grew up pretty confident if you went into performing arts at 17? Uh, 16, yeah. 16, 16 I, I mean, that's very young to, to be that confident. So um, yeah. could, you, could you tell us something about that, like how you came to choose that? that uh, I, I started off, I did, um, there was a week summer camp um, called Earwig Summer School, and that was sort of like every day you had different performing arts lessons. And it was just one week in the summer, and I loved it. 
I thought it was really great and I really enjoyed yeah. it. And from there, I just wanted, yeah, to go on to do performing arts. And um, I really, really enjoyed my course and had, mm. I got really good grades for that. So I had, I just had a great time. And again, I think maybe it was following on from the home ed kind of vibe. It was really playful and fun and energetic. And I wasn't sort of sitting down behind a desk and, yeah. you know, learning everything. It, it felt like a really nice transition going from home ed into doing performing arts. I bet. And did you take it forward at all? Did you use it much in your life? I was planning on doing that. I was planning on, um, I was wanting to go to Paris to do a course, uh, the Jacques Lecoq course, but I became really ill at that time. So I then didn't do that and took a break from that. Um, nice. because the medication I was on and stuff like that for, um, I've got a chronic liver disease. So oh. I had to really slow everything down. Oh, golly. Um, but I still carried on. I was, I did tap dancing classes and I did mm. all of that sort of stuff in my spare time. And I, I did tap dancing until I was six months pregnant. So I was, wow. say I kept, I carried on the creativity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Brilliant. So, uh, Jan, could you give us some, or either of you, some idea of what the other, other kids chose to do and how things worked out for them? Well, Murray did the same course as, um, Eloise. Um, he, he, originally he went to, um, a typical college to do academic subjects. At, which at, at 15 at 16, 16, 16 right? um i found also um the home education for him was slightly different to the others right. in that it became a little bit form more formalized oh. there were lots of things going on people wanted to do gcse's there were there were study groups yeah and he wanted to be part of that because you were doing that with the other kids the older ones no it, it was just no, no it was just his peer group it wasn't with the other ones it didn't happen oh. It was just right. that group of people at that time wanted right. to do this. And mm -hmm. it did become a little bit more difficult to go to college if you hadn't done GCSEs. Yeah. They changed the, the rules all the time. So he did a few study groups with a fantastic teacher, Venetia, who um, got him through several IGCSEs. And he did a drama silver arts award as well alongside. Were so they he, private lessons then? Yes, we just paid. Um, Venetia was another home educator. Ah, right. And yeah. she made it cheap enough for everybody to do. That's great. So, so would you say it's it's really quite easy if people wait till that time and then and then they'll find people who can help their, their kids get yes. qualifications? Yeah. Yes. You don't think that's a problem? No. 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 I that, think that's an area I don't know much about. As you get older as well, your brain is mature enough to take in the information yeah. and just and just cope with it. I mean, Murray did a what did he biology IGCSE at fourteen. Never mm. done it before. He could hardly write a sentence when he did it. Mm. Mm. Wow. And he passed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. very quickly, within three months, he was up and running, doing yeah. his homework and, and sorting himself yeah. out. Yeah. It is incredible how quickly they catch up. Joe mm. went to school for the first time. When we got back from America, I had to go out to work. And he went in at the GCSE year. And um, he had hardly done any writing. He hated writing. Um, but he, he, he just slotted in so easily um then it was it was fine he started off in the lowest stream because they didn't know what to make of him and then after two weeks they put him at the top stream because he was <laughs> he was quite interesting and creative and and yes. good with words and now yeah. he's a fantastic writer so I yeah. think that's anyway, something I that I've really taken from home ed and especially when I speak to people about it now and the one thing that I took from it was I had an idea in my head that 
I couldn't do all of this stuff or I wasn't at the same level and it's never hindered me. I've had so mm. many different jobs. You know, I'm now at university and yeah. it's never once come up as any kind of hindrance mm. to getting there. Yeah. I'd say it's Would the you... same for my siblings as well. Would you say that was a problem growing up that you worried about that, <clears throat> that you weren't on the same level as, as school peers? I only worried about it when I had to go into a, a mm. traditional schooling. I never worried about it before. I always no. felt I always felt a little bit smug. I was like, yeah, I don't wake up at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and I yeah. don't have to sit behind a desk and I get to go and do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and it never I never felt any kind of comparison until like there had to be a comparison where I was entering into a world sure. where there were exams and you know I was writing essays and stuff but again yeah. I, I didn't have any problem with that yeah. um it was, it's never come up as a problem for me and um Maddie trained to be a patisserie chef and oh. she had a yeah a very successful career being a chef mm-hmm. um and now she's doing an access course to go to uni yeah right um I do think socially um, at certain times, if they were in a group of school children doing a, an activity, there was a little bit of a difference. Uh, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but um, Maddie would say, uh, I feel different. Yeah. Um, and they were different. They had a yeah. different view and um, yeah. may sometimes they had different snacks to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> All that hummus and, hummus and carrot sticks <laughs> and pumpkin seeds. Yeah, well, this is the image that homeschoolers have in America. That, yeah. You know, sandal wearing. And I mean, there's a lot of Christian homes. Lots of people in America home educate because school is too sinful. Mm-hmm. And we we didn't realise this at all, quite evangelical movement of homeschoolers. So, um, so that sort of tarnishes in a little bit the image possibly in America where mm. you homeschool so like a red flag goes up so what sort of family have they come from you haven't really got any of that in England I'm not quite sure what the image is in England but um, I mean it's still quite uh, quite rare isn't it yeah I think the questions that I got asked as a child were mostly um, is your mum a teacher yeah. and uh, do you have any friends um, and they are often people would be like, do you, what's two plus two, you know, and sort yeah. of say stuff mm-hmm. like that to me because they, they would have an idea that I was a part of some strange cult or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, there, that wasn't the of reality. Cults, cults do it as well. So yeah. yeah, you can sort of see where people are coming from. Really. So n- never in your whole time did you wish even fleetingly that you went to school? Not once. Yeah. No, not once yeah. in, in my, uh, whole upbringing I had friends sort of come and go as that happens in home ed sometimes you know yeah. um, sometimes they'd go into school and then come back out again or and I, I still never felt any yeah. kind of pull it to me it didn't make any sense you know it mm-hmm. it just didn't make sense it, why would I be going sitting for six hours you know doing this structured schooling when the alternative is my life where I get yeah. to do what I like and what I'm interested in and with my friends and Mm -hmm. you know with people not only did I have really strong friendships but I've got really strong bonds towards my friends parents you know a lot of those parents are also my teacher that is really a sign Mm -hmm. of of home ed I think that you have just straight relationships and just it goes across the ages as well like like Poppy's best friend was nine in America Mm. um it's the girl that loved Poppy and they just always played and and that that there weren't other two-year-olds around at the time yeah (laughs) she was two and you know Alana was nine and 
and they, they don't even ask each other's ages whereas no. school it's so oh, yeah. she's, she's in the year below she's just probably maybe four months younger than you but she's in the year below so we don't really play with them that whole thing yeah it's out the window isn't it yeah, yeah, I was really doing different. all of my lessons were with age ranges from you know 16 before they were doing GCSEs to four five you know it was and I never yeah. I never once was aware of that it was never no. even a thought in my head that I would yeah. only be playing with people my own age that's right it's so artificial mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm. but, but I just want to come back Jan because um we um Eloise said um that they asked if you were a teacher and you're actually the first one I've interviewed who wasn't a teacher just happened that way the other two people have been teachers and and I was a teacher and I I I found it quite a a drawback in advertising home ed because people would say oh you're a teacher it's easy for you you know Martin's a scientist he can do the science but but you you weren't no I left school at 16 yeah so can you (laughs) say something about how it doesn't matter you don't have to be a teacher how how did you teach teach university commas them um I think at the beginning, I um, I read a lot about Montessori education. Right. Because um, my first two went to a Montessori nursery and they really developed well there. They enjoyed it. And and then I just read a lot on how children learn. Mm. And then there was the whole um, looking at what the curriculum was, what people yeah. were actually doing in school. Yeah. And then dis- disregarding a lot of it and not being able to fit it all in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we used we used television um, at that time, and I think I I just thought I would learn alongside them. Yeah, whatever they were learning, I would learn as well. Yeah, um, and try and impart it. And I do remember when I gave up trying to impart all my knowledge to them was when we'd done clocks with Roman numerals, and I thought we've done this, yeah. and then somebody said, "What well, are Roman numerals, Mum?" Oh. <laughs> and I just realised <laughs> there was no point in doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think there were quite a few of those moments, actually, looking back, really. So, yeah, so it's just answering every question, isn't it? Being sort of one step ahead and a lot of careful planning and a lot of listening yes. to where they're at. Yeah, and, and learning alongside. It's okay to say, I don't know, let's find out. Mm-hmm. And would um, you say, looking back, there were any um, sort of, obstacles or difficulties that you weren't expecting when you started out um I think one of the main things is um, having time for yourself yeah and every so often I would have to have a day without them yeah um because it just becomes too intense yeah um and the other thing is is the worry that you do have that worry or I'm I'm not I'm not fulfilling them um Mm -hmm. They're not doing what they should be doing. They're not fulfilling their potential. Yeah. Um, and then they try and, and then, then you're trying to get them to do stuff <clears throat> and it doesn't work. And then you feel really a failure. Yeah. But yeah, it is, so it's, but you do have stuff. moments in that in life. You they do to, anyway. Yeah. School or not, I think. Yeah. And the best thing was, is having a community around you that you can offload that with. Yeah. You can go to them and say, I'm having so a really important. bad day. Yeah, and uh, Isabel was one of those wonderful people that would say, "Don't yeah. worry, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. worry, it's all fine." Yeah, are, are you still in touch with her? Because I'd love to get her on the program as well. Sort of on Facebook, that's all. Yeah, okay. Find her on track, Facebook and just track um, her down. track her down. Yeah. So just to come back to your other children, we've talked about Murray then and about Elliot. Um, oh, what about Georgia? Well, Georgia's just moved up to York. 
uh, in the middle of the pandemic, actually, because her mm. her girlfriend um, had to move up there because she just qualified as a doctor. Um, she was working at Gatwick before, so she took yeah. redundancy. And what was, um, she, what was she doing? Security, oh. Gatwick. Um, Georgia actually went to college and was doing art, and she's such a good artist. Yeah, she's mm, I remember. And yeah. they just um, killed. They just killed any oh. creativity she had. They just didn't understand. Yeah, what she, she was, was that just, when she was sixteen, seventeen. Uh, between sixteen and eighteen. Yeah. Oh, oh that's such a shame. Yeah. So yeah. she's doing an open university course at the moment in business studies. Brilliant. And um, and she's working at a COVID testing site in the meantime. But she's manager, as, as you do, as you yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's she's managing it now, so that's oh, good right. on her CV. Right. So, so yeah, she'll go on. I just want to go back to Murray. He's now he's going to actually go into teaching. Really? <laughs> really? Well, he did an acting degree, and oh. um, yeah, that's been killed, stone dead. Yeah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> he went so to Edinburgh. They went to, to Edinburgh and took their sh- her show to Edinburgh and did had yeah. really s- good success. But um, I, I remember when we were in Edinburgh, um, whenever it was, you said he we couldn't we couldn't. Oh, that's show. right. I, yeah. Oh, I think it was on really late at night, and we're we're early birds now. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're oldies. But to come on to then the next generation, Odessa. Yeah. Um, how did? How how did the home home ed ideas play out with having your own child? It's more of a sort of parenting approach as well, isn't it? This, it is, yeah. So when I was pregnant, I was really like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm going to home educate her. And um, the idea also because I had worked in nurseries as well previously, I just didn't feel like that was kind of a natural setting. Like I found it quite difficult and quite structured mm. in a way that I wasn't used to. So, um, yeah, when I was pregnant, I thought I'm 100% going to home educate her. And then I became a single parent when she was six weeks old and it just didn't play out like that. I couldn't afford to do it for one. Mm -hmm. Brighton's very, very expensive place to live if you're privately renting. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to go to university. So I just, yeah, it didn't play out that way for me. But I would say that home education has really impacted my parenting and my parenting style mm. and has made me a huge advocate for her and her education mm. she's currently at a bilingual school so she um learns half the curriculum in spanish oh, um wow. and i i think they hate me at the school because <laughs> <laughs> i'm the parent that sort of emails and says 100 percent she's not doing sat tests <laughs> she's not going no test like me yeah 100 she's not going doing any kind of testing and if she doesn't yeah. want to do something then I'm not bothered and they try and make me really bothered and I'm not bothered <laughs> so I do think that 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 is from home ed for sure absolutely so why why Spanish why did you choose um a because bilingual school? Um, I just thought what an incredible opportunity. There's a mm. bilingual school that is 10 minutes from my house. And wow. I looked at a lot of the other schools and I was, that was my first, I don't know, eye opening experience of walking into a school, a primary yes. school. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe the resemblance to prison. Like it was the, oh. the outside walls were so high and yeah. it just felt really suffocating. And there was your tiny room and everyone's pictures looked the same. And I mm. found it really, um, a really scary experience as a mum. Mm. 
And then when I found the bilingual school, it was a relatively new school. It was um, started by some bilingual families mm. and uh, majority of the teachers are Spanish speaking. And I just thought, what um, what an incredible opportunity, not just for her to learn Spanish, but also for her to be around uh, multicultural families. Absolutely. That's so um, wonderful and so broad minded to even consider that, really. So do you see her staying there? Does this go, school go all the way through? It goes to uh, when she's 11 and when she leaves, she'll um, have a Spanish GCSE because they do it over about three or four years. They really break oh, it wow. down and um, yeah. just do it in bits for them, really. Wow. Um, and but I I really love it. I think it's a, an amazing school. They're very gentle. They're very um, open-minded when it comes to um, the schooling there and things like you know homeschooling at the moment is quite intense. And she's yeah just not not enjoying it. So for me, in my eyes, if she's not enjoying it, then she doesn't have to yeah. do it. Yeah, sure. And her teacher's really on board with that. Her teacher's totally like, yeah, whatever you feel, you know, as her mother. Fantastic. Which is exactly what I want. What do you think about what we see in the news all the time about how this is harming children, how they're being held back and how they're how they're being damaged by not being at school? And I think they've got the wrong idea of what's damaging them. You know, them not being schooled is irrelevant. You know, they're they're five. Odette is five. You know, she's not going to be missing out on any topics that she can't catch up on it's it's more it's the social aspect that's damaging them you know mm. she's she wants to role play she wants to play mummies and daddies and dogs and cats and sure. all that sort of thing and it's it's the interaction with the children that that is really impacting her mental health the schooling mm. stuff I mean I just it's I, I don't know I a mum from the school said to me oh I'm really anxious. My daughter's uh, reading is really behind. Yeah. And I was like, behind what? She's five. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's always saying behind Yeah, me what? too. And because they're all behind. Yeah. yeah but they're, where's the get. bar of yeah. where your child should be at five? Yeah. You know, it's, and but that s- blows my mind. So many parents are allowing themselves to be stressed by being told by the school and the government mm. yeah. that they, they have to do this. Is it four hours or five hours at home? And it's really hard for them, especially they are trying to do a, their job at home. And mm, yeah, you know, so, suddenly home that was a place of play is, is, you know, where they used to decompress. Now they have to sit down and work there. And Exactly. And I think the, the schools uh, have a lot of pressure from media, from the government to yeah. be schooling. Yeah. And yeah. it's, that's not realistic in these times. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Odessa's favorite activity is, um, on a Friday, they have like a little mini disco via Zoom and all the kids have a disco. That's her yeah. absolute favourite thing to do yeah. out of the whole week. You know, the maths yeah. and the, I mean, the English she really enjoys because it's a lot of it is just sort of like draw a giant and then learn, mm. you know, mm. learn how to write a sentence and stuff, which she, she does naturally enjoy that. But if she didn't, there's no way I'd be forcing that on her. No. You know, it's just, there's mm. no time limit. There's not a time limit for when your child's going to learn how to do something. Yeah. I didn't learn to read. How no, long was I when I learned to read? 10, 11. Yeah, I was a really, I was really late learning to read. Now mm. I, I never go without a book. Mm. Like I love reading. Me and mine and Odessa's favorite activity is going to the library and getting yes. books out. So there's no, you know, I would never say because I learned later on, when I say later on, I mean from the standard. Yeah. That, that has hindered in fact I think it's made me more passionate I learned to read mm. when I wanted to learn to read yeah. Yeah. and because of that um I read all the time I actually was I did a lecture just before lockdown 
and we were doing research, creative research. And the teacher said, um, put your hand up if you like reading books. I was the only person. This was over wow. three classes. Yeah. And I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. gosh. It, it's it's just the same at school. I was, ter- I was terrible at languages and I just had this awful self-image of myself. I mean, I did go to very strict boarding school, you know, Harry Potter, but without the magic. That's what I always <laughs> say. Dead boring, but very, very strict. And I, so I had this terrible image of myself as, as a linguist until I fell in love with a Dutchman and got married and then learnt Dutch in three weeks when we moved over there. And then since then, I just adore learning languages and it's all about motivation, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. what you want to do at your own at your own ter- terms. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. You also, by learning to read later, you cut out all the the basic books. You went straight into Harry Potter. Yeah. Yes, right, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember just, I, I must tie this up soon because we've talked for a long time, but how, how did Eloise actually learn to read with you Jan because I know people will be interested in well how does it happen do you remember how it happened when she was 10 no I don't did did she ask you I do remember um we always used to read at night and I remember her pointing to letters when she was very young and I thought oh she's going to read really young because she knows she's asking about all these letters and then I think she you lived a lot in your head Mm. and you had a lot of imagination you did a lot of imaginative play and so reading wasn't very interesting at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I don't know. I think Maybe I remember coming to, to you. Something. I remember seeing a sign and and thinking, "Oh, I want to know what that says." And coming to you, and then you sounded it out. And then I think from there, it, it, I remember coming to you and right. going, "Okay, yeah, I want to learn to read yeah. now." Yeah. And we yeah. would just you would sit down and read with me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that shows how it was just osmosis because because you can't quite remember quite how it happened because it was all so natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just little was bits here and there, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Well, sadly, I'm going to have to wind this up. And I just got the same three questions I ask everyone. And um, you could both answer or either. So if you had to recommend one essential unschooling book or resource for parents, what would it be? You answer that one. Book, mm. book or resource. See, I don't know. I'm not up to speed with what the latest ones are. No, but I, I mean from your experience. From my experience, it was probably John Holt, How Children Fail. Oh, that's exactly And How Children mine. Learn. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. yeah. That was such okay. an interesting book. Right, lovely. Yeah, I had to give a caveat at the end of my last one. But I don't know if you've read them recently. No, I haven't. It's really dated. Oh. <laughs> attitudes and language, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it can be quite off-putting. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it's funny because I think, gosh, did we just take all that for granted back then? We must have done. Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's lovely. And would you recommend anything as a as a mum? In terms of, I haven't got many homeschooling books because homeschooling just was my experience. You know, that just was what I was doing. I think yeah. In terms of parenting books, I read loads when I was pregnant and found that they gave me terrible anxiety. So I don't tend to read too many parenting books now unless they're a lot more loose. Like at the moment, I'm reading uh, My Wild and Restless Nights by Clover Stroud. And Mm -hmm. that's just a lovely, gentle portrayal of her parenting experience. And I find stuff like that a lot more relaxing and a lot easier to relate to because it's more about community and uh, relating to her feelings as a parent rather than sort of actual techniques on how to parent. Yeah, yeah. But I was really meaning resource as in equipment as well. If there's any bit of equipment that you got for Odessa that you think, oh, that's 
that's oh, really, really weird. Cool. I'm such a homemade person. I'm like, we go down the beach and I get the stones and then we paint the stones. And then we, <laughs> we have now have a garden full of painted stones. <laughs> if, we go, if we go to the woods, there's a stick. And what can we do with the stick? Yeah, you know, it's oh, like, I'm such a homemade. Yeah, so just nature yeah. scavenging. Yeah, yeah totally. For us, it would have been the trampoline, which we bought when we got out to America, and that became the hub of our of our home ed, really, because they they would sit there, they would do shows on it, and they would, oh. you know, it became its own little little community mm. place, really. Community our center. trampoline was was really used well, wasn't yeah, it? it was. We had one, and yeah. it was used every yeah. day. Yeah. It was such a Ours good piece li- of equipment. Fell fell to bits. Mm. It, it, Ours flew yeah. over the top of our house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the advantage of living on a cliff top. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, so, well, I guess that covers the next one. What would be the best resource or piece of equipment you'd recommend for unschooling? So would that be the trampoline? Would there be anything else? See, now there's the internet, isn't there? I mean, yeah, of course. There were things yeah. um, when Murray was um, learning called um, there was something called Khan Academy, which I think is still going, but there's other things that are similar. Yeah. And when he was doing his chemistry IGCSE, I would go on that because he didn't he didn't understand something, mm-hmm. and it would explain it really well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was yeah. really helpful. Yeah, there's so much online, isn't there? Yeah. And then finally, um, for both of you, really, what would be your most single crucial piece of advice to parents and families considering unschooling? And I mean that in the broad term, like parenting as well. Relax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure. Just relax. You're doing your best you can at any time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd uh, say the same thing. I think that that even with Odetta in school, I still use the same principles of there's no there's no one standard that your child needs to be. You know, yeah. they are entirely themselves, and yeah. the world oh, needs yeah. more entirely themselves people. Yeah. 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 That's a well. That's a fantastic sentence to end on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very humble because it's it's beautiful. It's really true. So thank you so much. It's been brilliant, and um, I hope we've we got this right. So. Thanks, Jackie. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, it was really brilliant to catch up with Jan and Eloise after all these years. I would like to add a footnote on my comments about John Holt in case people go off and read his books now. He wrote in the mid-60s, and some of the language and assumptions around special education are very different from today's cultural norms, as you will have picked up from our conversation. His books are of his time, they're over 60 years old, but inspiring nonetheless, and without them, I probably never would have discovered this philosophy. They really did change my life. He's indeed known as the father of unschooling. He coined the term. But please keep my caveat about the dated language and attitudes in mind if you read his books. Next week, I have the great pleasure of interviewing my adult son, Joe, who's going to give his, his perspective on his childhood and his life, having been unschooled between the ages of four and 14. I'd love to support anyone following this educational approach or considering it or even have any comments or questions. Please feel free to email me using the initials of the name of the podcast. So it's unschooling.lwr at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me and until the next time. Bye.